Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumph and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives. In season two, we're highlighting Bentonville's thriving and growing mobility sector, where we're pushing boundaries and making history. Get ready to hear about everything from bikes to aerobatic planes to drones, air taxis, flying cars, and a whole lot more. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, James Bell. And uh, we're exploring Bentonville's leadership in advanced mobility in season two, what's happening right now and in the future. We're talking about bikes, autonomous vehicles, um, about drones, aerobatic planes, and uh, air taxis, and a whole lot more. So today we're talking drones, and I'm thrilled to share the studio with two of DroneUp's top leaders, with uh, Tom Walker, founder and CEO and John Verding, co-founder and uh, CTO. DroneUp is a flexible flight services company, which tackles last mile delivery across multiple segments, including uh, medical, construction, food and beverage, retail, and smart city logistics. Uh, DroneUp's clients include, you may have heard of them, Walmart, Brookfield Properties, Quest Diagnostics, and NATO Allied Command. Prior to DroneUp, among other roles, and Maybe Tom can talk more about this in a moment. Uh, Tom served as an officer in the uh, U.S. Navy for nearly 17 years and uh, helped pioneer uh, military and government uh, digital reform. He also served as an advisor to the uh, White House on uh, the technology on technology innovation and its impact on the emerging workforce. John is impressive as well. He was COO of WebTex, which is a digital transformation company providing leading-edge enterprise technology solutions to Fortune 500 companies which was acquired by DroneUp. He sits on the advisory board for ConnectWise and served on the BLVOS Advisory Rule Committee at the Federal Aviation Administration. And if you're not familiar with that acronym, BLVOS is a mouthful, but it stands for Beyond Visual Line of Sight Drone Operations. Tom, John, uh, thank you both for your service to our country and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start our set with the first easy question. Uh, John, what would you like our viewers and listeners to know about John Vernon? Oh, what would I like them to know? As little as possible, perhaps. No, I, <laughs> you know, I, I tend to be more of the behind the scenes guy and I like it that way. Um, you know, my, my passion's innovation and making things happen. So, you know, uh, I, I don't tend to spend a lot of time in the lights, although I guess today's a little bit of an exception. So, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Cool. Tom, same question for you. Uh, what would you like our viewers and uh, listeners to know about you? Well, um, interestingly enough, I grew up in Arkansas and, uh, uh, when I left Arkansas, I didn't know uh, Northwest Arkansas existed and Bentonville existed. So the area that I grew up in, I won't say where, uh, but uh, the area that I grew up in when I left, I said, I'm never coming back to this state again. And uh, then we were fortunate to have this opportunity with Walmart and it brought me back. And I'm glad it did because I got to learn that there, there's, this is a beautiful area and a beautiful part of the state. And uh, I come back here as often now as I can. I make excuses to come back. And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm an Arkansas boy that's back in town again. That's great. Well, I uh, share a similar story. In 1991, I left Arkansas and I was never coming back. At that time, our license plate said the land of opportunity and the punchline should have been, sad to say, that 
there really wasn't any, right? And you had to leave, if you're a young guy, you had to leave the state or, or young lady as well. You had to leave the state to really go do something interesting. And so I moved all over the country and came back home. I also said I was never coming back to Arkansas and the, uh, it ought to be called the land of milk and honey now. Right. It's it's really incredible. Well, we used to say it's the land of here. opportunity, and that opportunity is to leave. <laughs> exactly. Well, Northwest Arkansas and a good bit of the state has really changed that, and I'm really thrilled about it. So could you tell me, how did Drone Up take flight? You talk about the company's history and how it's scaled up with uh, partnering with Walmart and others. Well, there's a lot to unpack in that between how it started and then the Walmart opportunity. But uh, essentially go back to 2016. And, and um, I had always kind of been intrigued with drones, but didn't know much about them. And, um, and one day I walked into a Best Buy and, and on the shelf was a drone that was under $2,000 that had more technology on it than the space shuttle. Hmm. And I, I was just intrigued by it. And I bought one, um, lost it in the ocean the very first day. It's a totally different story. But <laughs> um, it was in the follow-up trying to analyze why I lost it in the ocean that I really got to look under the hood at the technology that was there. Um, and, um, the next day, Sunday, it was on a Saturday on Sunday, called John and said, we've got to figure out something we can do with drones. I was the president of WebTex at the time. He was the chief operations officer. And, um, we came up with this idea to create an app that would basically be able to notify people who had drones of opportunities to use their drones for, for public good. Uh, humanitarian relief, search and rescue, whatever, just volunteer app. Mm. Um, and uh, within a couple of days, we had a plan together, not a business plan. We didn't actually didn't develop a business <laughs> no. plan for yeah. a couple, no. few years, but um, a plan to build this app. And we built it, it's patented, and uh, it's kind of the core tool now around which our company operates today. Very cool. Um, so what are some of the key challenges Dronup has had to overcome and how did that help the company advance? Well, you know, some of the core challenges is neither of us are, have aviation backgrounds. <laughs> right. So, so uh, I don't know if I call that a weakness or a, cha- or a strategic weakness or a strategic strength, but I think in many ways it, it, it forced us to get very creative. Um, and we, had a, we, we were smart enough to kind of uh, uh, surround ourselves with people that did have those backgrounds. And, that, and so we take it very seriously. It's not like, you know, we, we slough off the responsibility. Aviation has an uh, impeccable safe, safety record. And um, so it's really important that we kind of put that first and foremost. But reality was is like we we found ourselves in a situation where we were trying to solve problems that everyone told us can't be solved or there's this pathway you have to follow and i think the 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 first and biggest challenge was kind of being able to respect it but also respectfully set it aside and say okay i get that but you know i think our backgrounds both were very much in um start with yes and go from there and um so that 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 was kind of our mentality about how we'd figure out to do things and um, so I think it enabled us, even though the challenge was there, to kind of um, provide opportunities that really probably didn't exist for a lot of other people and look at things in a very different way. Um, I guess in the in the phrase from kind of Apple and and you know Steve, it was you know think differently, right? Or yeah. So and, and I would agree with John on that 100. percent I think not having the aviation background, manned aviation, general aviation, really looked at drones as a threat. And so there was a lot of, we don't like drones, you can't do that. We need to, you know, we need to compartmentalize them. If we could, we'd just get rid of them. And, and because we didn't come from that background, we saw these, these, these tools as just huge opportunities to change the way we do things, whether it's self-tower inspection, mm-hmm. bridge inspection, search and rescue, delivery. Um, so, you know, his point is such a valid point that we were trying to figure out how to push the industry forward. 
not really at the time having the respect for why general aviation was as concerned, but we quickly became aware of that and then began began to, rather than kind of compete with general aviation, which is what a lot of, of, of our colleagues in the industry have done and, com- and compete with the FAA, uh, we, we started building relationships with them, with the FAA, with manned aviation, with public safety, and, and how can we accommodate around you? And, and the other thing I would say that was a challenge, I, I said this in a, in, a, in a speech I gave a few years ago, was, you know, we started a business in an industry not knowing what it was we were going to be selling to customers that didn't know what they were going to be buying mm-hmm. in an industry that government hadn't figured out how to regulate. And I would argue in some ways, two or three, two of those three might still exist in, in, in many ways. That's great. I mean, you know, sometimes it's, you know, as, as leaders, better to come in not knowing, right? Because it, it takes the blinders off and gives you an opportunity to push back, but also say yes and sort of put on the problem-solving hat and try to uh, to figure it out that way. So I applaud you all for that. That's great. What are some of the uh, advantages and benefits of drone delivery and, and services and uh, help viewers understand who maybe don't have any experience, whether it's really practical. Obviously, it is, but I'd like to hear more about that as well. You know, look, I, I think the reality is, is that the, the benefits start to become innumerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we, you talk about, you know, the idea of being able to move things green and we're taking, you know, the idea is we can take things, cars off the road. We can reduce, you know, dependency on roads. We were even talking, you know, recently about, you know, uh, less wear and tear on the roads means even, you know, less ongoing impacts and less, in, you know, um, excuse me, maintenance and improvements that need to be made, right? But, you know, at the same token, you got to think, you know, there's only so much expansion you can do on the roadways. Uh, I, one, one of the people out of uh, uh, Utah, we, when we were sitting down and talking, they were saying, look, here's the reality. Like it costs, you know, X billion of dollars to basically expand the highway, but you can only expand it by so many lanes before you start running into a problem with the feeder roads. And then you know, you got, by the way, you've got apartments and, and, you know, businesses and you can't just, you know, tear them down and build wider roads there. And so, you know, th- there's this ongoing problem and the, and the cost uh, dynamic of that is significant. And so in, in the air, you've got, you know, three-dimensional space, you can stack things. Um, and the more the technology increases, the more we can provide more kind of, you know, dense, dense uh, support and services of, you know, being able to stack these elements. Um, and so it's a, it's a huge advantage in that way. And on, on top of that, you know, I think it's creating fast uh, you know, logistics opportunities that didn't really exist. Um, even even when you're trying to deliver something, while you may be able to get a 30-minute delivery, I guess that means people have never run into traffic, right? Like, you know, right. things happen. Whereas in the roadways, you know, you've got, you know, bird's eye view. You can take, you know, more direct paths. I, I wouldn't say always direct because there's things you have to avoid there too. But, you know, there's a lot more space for you to kind of occupy. Um, you know, one of the things we hear all the time that's kind of interesting is we get a question about like, well, when when at some point these, you know, these drones are going to block out the sun. And, you know, I like to bring up the analogy that it's like, okay, look, even, even at scale, let's say, you know, three different operators all delivering and providing, you know, you know, 100,000, 300,000 deliveries nationwide. That probably equates to some, let's just say at max, 100 drones in the air at any given time. You know, if you had three operators all doing that, that's 300 drones at any given time. And then you take, okay, well, what about a 10 mile radius? Well, that's 314 square miles. So now you're talking about a rough, you know, density of like one drone for every square mile. And so last time I checked, there's a whole lot of area in a square mile that's, you know, larger than the drone. So it's a, there's a lot of those aspects. We get a lot more space than people really realize. Yeah. And when you talk about benefits, we could go on and on about them. But, you know, one of the ones that, that I started talking about a couple of years ago was over-the-counter medication delivery. And if you look at the amount of over-the-counter medication delivery or over-the-counter medications that are sold during flu season, 
when people are getting in the car and they're driving into the pharmacy with every symptom that you can imagine creating these Petri dishes and just the positive impact we could have on the health of society if rather than them coming to the pharmacy for those over-the-counter medications, we take them to them. And people say, well, you can order them over the mail. But I can tell you there's certain uh, physical ailments that you have that you don't want to wait 24 hours for treatment and you want that treatment right now. But you also think about the mom who's home with two children and and and, and one of them is sick and, and nine o'clock at night and she needs uh, children's Motrin or Advil or diapers or the ability to give her that convenience. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a delivery fee of $3.99. If you talk about what gas costs today, depending on how far you have to drive, I mean, you would almost pay that in, in, in gas in some cases. So um, it, 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 the, the, the convenience that it brings, and it also aligns well with an impulsive society that we've become, right? We want it now. And certain things we need now, whether it's that last ingredient you're making for dinner or Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of a big wiring project and you need that one connector and you you don't really want to pack up and leave because I could keep doing other things. Your your third trip to the hardware store. Your third trip to the hardware (laughs) store we talk about all the time. But but then as we start looking forward, some of the other benefits that start to happen are, you know, we're going to be working with local uh, municipalities to have um, pre-inventory Narcan. EpiPens, AEDs, things that can be rapidly deployed to homes and that, that maybe may, may not be there in the, at, at a specific time of need. And then as we continue to evolve our technology from, yes, right now we, we call ourselves green, but we're using batteries. Batteries require power, uh, but we're investigating other alternative fuels as we speak. Literally, we, we just tested um, uh, last week a hydrogen power drone that we, nice. we demonstrated and, and, and it was just very impressive. And people say hydrogen and they kind of freak out a little bit, but the truth of the matter is, is hydrogen is very safe. It's more safe. You can, you can shoot a hydrogen tank on one of these drones and it just leaks right out and it's, it's inert. So it's, yeah. we, 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 we think that the benefits are there today. They're going to continue to evolve and, and, and just grow uh, exponentially over time. It seems like it's uh, really unlimited. I mean, I'm thinking about something as simple as mountain biking. Bentonville, the mountain biking capital of the world. If you're out somewhere mountain biking, maybe on the back 40 and it's going to take a while to get somewhere and you realize you forgot water, why not just order it? Right. Have it dropped over to you. Or if you do, unfortunately, go over the bars and get seriously injured and they can't get the little trail ambulance to you fast enough, even if somebody can pedal in or, or um, have, and in the meantime, have emergency supplies sent by drone. That sounds amazing. Right. There's, there's so many ways you could uh, slice this thing. I think I saw a firefighting drone in a video the other day. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it feels like most anything that we do now, uh, that we physically do, that there could be some kind of role uh, for drones to play. How do you make drone delivery safe? How does drone up uh, do it with all the, there's not many obstacles in airspace, but there's some things you have to go around. How do, how do you do that? Well, so, I mean, for, first of all, it starts with the drone, but I think it's, it's uh, when you think about safety, there's a couple of different safety factors. There's obviously kind of air risks that you have to consider running into other things that are in the air. Um, you know, there's management systems that we have to consider there that we have to put in place and we're actively and continually developing those and working with both partners and even competition at this point to kind of build those integrations. But at the same time, you know, we, 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 uh, there are rules of the sky, um, and we have to observe those rules and, you know, drone up for a long time has been a, a partner with the FAA in terms of developing like their lance capabilities and now also with our UTM capabilities. So that, that kind of helps mitigate um, that that isn't the end-all be-all. There's lots of layers that have to be addressed there, um, including our detect and avoid systems that would be both kind of ground-based and, and on the aircraft. 
And then secondarily, you've got kind of ground risks. And um, there's a lot of elements that go into kind of mitigating our ground risk, um, you know, utilizing algorithms to determine where people are so that we can actively um, and dynamically route to avoid kind of groups of people. Um, and not just groups of people, but also, you know, being able to understand if somebody's indoors or outdoors, right? There's a total different safety parameter if somebody's sitting inside their house versus if they're in the backyard having a barbecue. And so um, there's that. There's also, you know, being able to kind of cross roads perpendicularly versus kind of following traffic. So you're not hovering over kind of, you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, vehicles uh, for long periods of time. And so you, you take all of those elements and you bundle them together. You add in like, you know, all the safety and mitigation methods of what happens if a, a motor fails or what happens if, you know, you suddenly don't have, you know, GPS capabilities. And so it's, it's not like one specific thing. It's an entire system of systems that's designed predominantly around safety as its first, in, uh, its first factor. Um, and then once you add all of those elements in, then you can start to produce, you know, reliable systems that continue to be able to provide safe services. Great. Well, it sounds like folks ought to be very comfortable by, by now with, uh, with drone safety from what you're describing. Uh, let's talk user experience. What is the user experience uh, right now and what will it be like uh, in the future? Well, it, it, there's a couple of different answers to user experience. I mean, I'll, I'll talk first about, you know, what the what we felt a key important thing for us to do, which is 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 drive a positive narrative among the general public when it comes to drones in their neighborhood and drones in you know experience. And I, use, I, I always say, you know, three years ago, you had a better chance of getting hit by a stray golf ball sitting on your toilet than you did the news running a positive drone story, right? <laughs> Everything was negative, negative, negative. And, and so really for us, prior to the opportunity with Walmart in 2019, all of our work that we did was commercial services work. So it was building inspections. It was ortho mosaics uh, that we were doing of parking lots and agricultural inspections and things where there wasn't really a general public to be concerned about. Uh, when we had the opportunity to launch the COVID test kit delivery mm-hmm. with Walmart, that was really our first chance to be that close up front with, uh, you know, with the general public. And, and we knew going in what their concerns were going to be, noise, congestion of drones, privacy, safety. We knew that. And so what we did is we started by in each of those three locations that we did with Walmart in the initial uh, uh, project was we went into the neighborhoods. We went to, the, like I said, the civic leagues. We went and we explained to them, we're not recording any video. We don't take any pictures. We're going to fly at an altitude high enough. Sound should not be a problem. We're not going to fly over people in moving vehicles. If we have to fly into a neighborhood, we'll fly over rooftops. And, and we, we, we just kept stressing that. And then we were very transparent with them. They would come up to the hubs where we were working and we would stop what we were doing. And when we engaged the public, we would invite them to come out and see what we were doing. And, 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 and within just a few weeks of launching that, we began to see a real shift, not only in the way that the general public was treating us, but also the news stories. And it started with local news stories, and then it turned into national news stories, and then uh, the cable news networks, and, and they were positive and positive and positive. And, and one of the stories I like to tell is that they, you, you had two ways of getting a COVID test in, 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 in two of the locations that we were at. One was you could drive up to the parking lot and drive through and get a free COVID test kit, or you could ha- and get a free COVID test, or you could have one delivered to your house by drone. So people would say, I am not getting in my car and driving up there, not, not with the pandemic going on. I'm not going to do that. So they would order the COVID test kit to be delivered, and then they would get in their car and drive up to the hub and tell us how cool the experience <laughs> was of having the COVID test kit delivered. And so that was when we really started to see it. We've continued with that same engagement model 
here and when we launched in Farmington, um, in Bentonville, and now in, um, in uh, Rogers. Um, and now, as you know, 34 more coming this year. And we've continued to do that. And I think that level of transparency going in early and kind of addressing what we know are going to be those concerns. And then the other thing we have going for us now is we have a track record, 101,000 plus flights and no reportable incidents. And, 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 and everybody knows if you come around our hub, it's, as John said earlier, it's safety, safety, safety. If you were to go out right now to one of the hubs, if they're not flying their training. And it's almost almost military grade in terms of how diligent we are with the training and the recruiting. And uh, I think it's paying off. That's great. You know, there's something to be said for transparency and just plain educating people and uh, being there to answer their questions. And uh, so I love the way you have uh, approached this instead of trying to fight it. it inter- uh, interestingly enough, to, to his point and to extend what you're saying, I, I a lot of it has been once they see it, yeah, right? So like a lot of it, it was the fear, uncertainty, and doubt factor of like, well, we don't know what it's going to be. And so you speculate. But then once they actually see a delivery, they see it happen, or they see the drones taking off repeatedly, right, from the hub mm-hmm. all day, you know, doing constant deliveries, then they, they get a sense of, okay, I, I get it now. And, you know, they hear the noise. And yes, it makes noise, but it's not like, you know, it, it's it's actually quieter than the typical delivery truck driving through your neighborhood. So, I mean, it's once you experience it, it's different, you know, and your your perceptions change. And so I think that's been another big factor is the more that we roll this out, the more people are getting to actually see what it really is like. You, know, you talk about the sound because we deliver, the lowest we deliver from is 80 feet. So mm-hmm. we lower down to 80 feet and then the package is generally set down on the ground. And, uh, and then we can deliver as high as 200 feet, but generally we're in the 80 to 100 feet range. Mm-hmm. We've actually had people who've called us and they were disappointed because they didn't even realize that the drone had been there and delivered the package and they wanted to see it. And so we tell them there's, you know, there's, there's, there's an easy solution to that. Yeah, Just they, get, go, they get the notification go, and they complain they didn't get else. to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> order again. Yeah, I got to see a delivery uh, the other day. Y'all were kind enough to deliver a special, deliver a special package for us. Uh, the University of Arkansas is standing up uh, a number of innovation assets up here in Bentonville. And they finally had their, uh, the, I guess they've been open a year now here, but they finally had their open house and ribbon cutting um, a couple of weeks ago and you know, were kind enough to uh, deliver the ribbon. And I was really impressed. First of all, I mean, I think y'all delivered from about 80 feet and I thought it was pretty quiet from there. Yeah, you could hear the hum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was pretty quiet. It was pretty impressive watching the uh, box be dropped down by cable. I loved it. Well, we want them to hear it. I mean, people say, well, you know, are you working to make it quieter? And the answer is actually not not much quieter because we don't want somebody under the drone while we're doing delivery. We want somebody to be aware if mm-hmm. we, if we're pausing, uh, you know, we very carefully clear the area. I mean, we've got a whole whole process we go through to make sure the delivery is safe and, and all that. But the truth is, is as we move forward and we start taking, I don't want to say some of those, some of those uh, uh, maybe additional risk efforts that we have in place today that are just out of an abundance of caution, but at some point we'll, we'll start to back off on those where, We'll be relying on more technology to ensure the ground is clearing. John's testing a lot of technology now that we know will replace the need for certain people on the ground and, and other safety factors. But I want them to hear it because I want them to realize that there's something going on because that's going to increase the safety and the opportunity for people to evacuate the area or, or at least stay out of the, the key area. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so with drones, forgive the pun, the skies, it seems like the sky's the limit. Uh, if somebody wants to get involved in this industry at whatever age or whatever uh, experience doing anything, um, how can they 
get involved, either become part of the industry or obviously they can order uh, things to be delivered by drone, but how else can they get involved in the uh, industry and working in it? Well, you know, people ask us all the time because we're growing. I mean, you know, we were we were 12 people in January of 2021. We're 300 to almost 300 today. Um, you know, and that kind of growth is 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 a stress on any organization. It's a stress on all your infrastructure. So people say, so you're hiring a lot of drone operators. And the truth of the matter is we, we are, but we we're hiring all across organizations like ours that are growing in this new industry. It's finance people, it's marketing people, it's it's IT, it's training, it's human resources, it's all across the board. But one of the things that we're 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 very proud of in terms of the model that we've built for recruiting is um, we've created what we we think is a great training and growth uh, uh, plan within our organization. And it's not just about finding a job; it's about building a career. So people can literally come into our organization with zero experience and start working as a as a package handler, and mm-hmm. and and then we will train them and help them get their Part 107 certificate, and we'll put them through additional training. And so there's literally like 16 different levels in the organization that they can come in. So if you want to be a drone operator. You could come in here, we'll train you, go through the training course, and eventually, because of the number of jobs that we're creating, you're going to have that opportunity. Uh, so, um, you know, but there's there's so many career opportunities across the entire organization. Um, and, and just like if you look here, we started, um, we didn't have anybody here. Uh, we just had our entire Arkansas crew together last night for drinks for the first time. Um uh, uh, and uh, there were 65 people. So, wow. so I mean, the, the, we've created a lot of opportunity. We're excited about th- that growth here in Northwest Arkansas because about a third of those came from here. Um, a l- about two thirds of them were recruited outside of the area. You know, and everybody said, this is going to be a challenge for you bringing people into Northwest Arkansas. And it's not been a challenge for us. It's actually, we've, we've hit every metric for hiring uh, and, and we've had substantially, uh, it's been substantially easier than, than we were anticipating. People actually really like Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, I think the secret's out. Uh, when I first came into my role, sort of during the middle of the pandemic, when I would talk with folks about Northwest Arkansas, they maybe heard of it. They might have heard about Bentonville because they saw a truck driving down the road with Bentonville on the side of the door. Um, but lately, it seems like I talk with folks and they say, oh, yeah, Bentonville. I know about Bentonville. Uh, and it could be something as simple as I know about Onyx Coffee it was a great, great coffee shop on your 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 city uh, square. And I had their coffee in Amsterdam. That was a conversation the other day. Wow. Uh, you know, wow, that's pretty impressive because I knew Onyx had a following. But uh, and it's like, I've never been there. I want to come there for that. Or people who say I want to come for mountain biking or any number of uh, things. I think the secret is is definitely out and a town that was known for being the home of Walmart is suddenly known for arts and culture and culinary right. and all these amazing things to do and, and this amazing innovation environment that we have. Yeah, I'll tell you something that happened amazing last night because I, I actually spent a lot of time just t- talking and listening to to the staff here in Arkansas. And, and there were several, at least, well, let's say several, at least three that I spoke to who had come here from areas where we are going to be opening up other locations. So they were in the DFW area. They came here with an understanding they could train, start mm-hmm. getting a move up in the organization and go back to DFW. And we had people come from Salt Lake City, Phoenix and Tampa, Orlando. We had people come from all Virginia Beach. To, we just want, we actually had somebody come from our home, our home city to Arkansas to go to work here. Um, and, 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 and most of them admitted to me, 
I came here to get a jump start in the organization because I knew it was going to grow, knowing I was going to go back to, and I won't say where, but, but, but three separate people told me last night, but I've actually asked if I could stay here. So I think it's, you say the secret's out, but also a lot of it is getting people here to actually have the opportunity to appreciate it. So they're kind of blowing our business plan up a little bit by saying now they want to stay here. But, <laughs> Could um, you make it a little less appealing? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I love hearing these stories, and these are, are not uncommon stories. We have a large vendor community to our Fortune 1 here, and a lot of folks come here thinking they're going through the process of moving up their corporate ladder in their companies. And they end up staying, uh, whether it's them or their spouse and family going, no, we're not going anywhere. You're just going to have to switch jobs. <laughs> and uh, it's it's incredible the number of people that have moved here. You know, Bentonville itself has about 57,000 people. The region has 570,000. We'll be at over a million by 2040. But Bentonville, this town of 57,000 people had 20,000 people 15 or 20 years ago. Right. Uh, the growth is just incredible. So... How are you finding, you mentioned uh, the drone operators, how are you finding those operators? You mentioned you're recruiting them. Um, are you turning to uh, schools also who are training them or doing all your training in-house? How's that working? Well, we're, we're, we're fortunate in the fact that there's kind of this breakover moment for us in the industry. Um, initially, we, we did have to recruit um, and, and we brought in uh, a chief people officer, Chris Cravey, who, mm-hmm. you know, I, I called him up when right about the time we knew this Walmart opportunity was going to materialize. And we knew that we were about to hit this, this, this tr- growth trajectory. And I said, I, we're, I'm going to need to grow a lot. And he said, how much? And I told him and he, he just started drooling. He said, this is the job I've, I've been training for my whole life. And he's done an incredible job, but, but I, I know, so I'll give him that credit. But then I will say, that as our name in the industry has grown and, and we've had the opportunity and we go out to trade shows. In fact, we just had, um, we, I met another gentleman last night. I think you met him too, who came to the trade show, mm, one of our yeah. recent trade shows, yeah. literally to give his resume to us. And, and he literally, he traveled to the, to the event to give his resume to us and he's now here working. And so you hear those stories. Yeah. So because of our social media presence, because of our reputation, um, and, and, and because I think we're just, we're, we're, we're really, we're a company that cares about people. And I think people see that. And when they talk to our, our, our folks, they, they hear that, um, we, we, we don't have a lot of challenges right now with, with finding a talent. It's, it's just a matter of making sure that we let them know those opportunities are there. And that's fantastic. Um, I always say it's, uh, I like the rule of tens and threes and that it's, it's really hard to go from two people to hiring that first person and having three. But getting to 10 is hard, getting to 30, to 100, to 300. So it's really impressive that y'all have done this in uh, such a short period of time. Well, we're estimating we'll be at about 700 by the mm-hmm. end of this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Uh, let's talk more about uh, Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville for a moment. Um, in addition to your uh, partnership with Walmart, what makes, or given your recent expansion announcement, uh, made Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas such an ideal testing ground for drone up? other than the obvious that you have a really big customer here? Well, yeah, I mean, that was obviously a, a factor, a major sure. factor. But, you know, the, it also opened up opportunities to like have some more, um, you know, rural communi- communities, right? Like our, our initial location in, in Farmington wasn't, you know, in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, while we had, had been, you know, validating and testing and building and growing, you know, our first operation is still, I don't want to call it experimental, but it was very much, you know, we needed to see 
how it really worked in the real world. And so I think it gave us a huge opportunity to be able to kind of expand, you know, a, very much of a, a crawl, walk, run kind of approach to how we were going to move this and to learn all of the lessons, not just about the drone. Like those are the things that we kind of knew, but like, what, what does it mean to, to build out these buildings and how are we going to kind of uh, deal, deal with asset logistics and, um, you know, how, how do we handle the, the people flow, right? Like, cause all of those are things that like you theorize. Um, and you can build all these amazing technologies and apps, but like any other agile and innovative company, all the lessons you learn actually happen when you start doing it. And so I think it gave us a, a tremendous opportunity to be here and, and to um, see that escalation and growth in various different kind of geographies and airspaces and all of that in a, in a very cooperative environment in terms of like, you know, um, all of the, you know, air aviation people, all of the communities, all of the, you know, the um, municipal people were extremely supportive and helpful. Um, and so we, we felt like it was both a, a great environment to start with, and it was also a great environment to cooperate in. I think one other thing that we, we sometimes forget about is, you know, we say we were here because Walmart, you know, our mm-hmm. customer was here. But, but, but being here with Walmart um, had another, I think, positive uh, uh, a part of it that we don't talk about a lot. And that is our culture really aligns well with Walmart's. Ours is about doing it safety, safely, safely, and then growing it, you know, according appropriately. It's about uh, the customer experience and making sure that we're making it a positive experience for the customer and not just in terms of maintaining our footprint, our people behaving appropriately and, and representing us well, representing our industry well. Um, and then ultimately about just being a, a positive contributor to the communities that we exist in. The, there's a lot of similarities between that and Walmart. And so by being associated with Walmart, I don't think we were looked at coming in as kind of this rogue drone company that's going to start right. flying all over. But we were partnered with Walmart and therefore we were expected to behave like Walmart. And, 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 and just by virtue of our culture and how we operated, we did. Uh, you know, and we weren't told how to behave. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that Walmart partnered with us is they appreciated how we approached all of those things. And so I think in some ways it helped us gain some acceptance in the community and adoption of what we were doing that now we've had the opportunity to maybe buff out some of the rougher edges in, in, in our processes so that now as we expand into other communities, we're going to be uh, we're going to be much more efficient in how we do things. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for uh, cultural fit, even when I'm recruiting companies. I'm looking for companies that, uh, for example, want to come help and build and be part of a growing place as opposed to somebody just coming for a location, right, yeah. who want to help innovate alongside us and, and that you can slide into um, the same framework as Walmart is is really helpful, you know, for your company, as you said, yeah. And make no mistake about it, and you haven't spoken about this yet, you may be going to, but. Northwest Arkansas is very, very innovative, and it's interesting because in some ways it still has the laid-back feel that the, mm-hmm. the, the parts of Arkansas that I, I used to really like, it, was a, it wasn't a super fast pace. It didn't feel that way. Uh, but yet, you, you, if you look at the innovation that's going on around here, not just with what we're doing, but with autonomous vehicles and with, with other types of aircraft in aviation, it's almost like this, this subtle... Uh, underground community of 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 hyper innovation that's super <laughs> impressive for the area. The, the Ozark Silicon Valley. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good description. Uh, I've heard it referred to as a a, a number of uh, in a number of ways. Um, I've heard the Ozark Innovation Corridor, I forty nine from you know Fayetteville to Bentonville and Bella Vista, and just all kinds of ways. It, it really is impressive what's happening in terms of 
sort of the innovation culture here. And you're right, it it feels laid back, but the pace or the speed at which things just get done, decisions are made and things just get done because people decide it's going to happen and then they do it is, is incredible. Right. Share with our audience, if you will, more about your expansion. Where are you expanding to? And perhaps you can talk more about some of the uh, other services that you provide as, as well. So we're going to be expanding uh, this year into Dallas-Fort Worth, um, into Utah, Arizona, Florida, and Virginia. Um, we're kind of excited about Virginia. It's nice to be able to have an operation that's going to be back close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting when you were talking about why Northwest Arkansas was a good place to launch. I think it was also important for us to get out of our backyard a little bit uh, because, you know, sometimes when you're running these type of operations close too close to the home office, um, then you don't necessarily build an organization to run them because it's too easy to drive across the street and take a look at the operation. So it tends to sure. be run out of home office. So in order for us to be able to scale this, we we had to get away from home. But now that we've done it, we're going to be able to build one back close to home. We appreciate Walmart doing that. Um, and um, and so we're, you know, all of those areas were chosen for very specific reasons. Uh, we wanted to be able, as part of this scaling process, you know, we have a very specific environment here. We have a very specific in terms of density of the areas and, and the weather and everything. It's it's it. We've got this now. We understand it. But now we need to test in other areas and we need to test with other kind of uh, demographic and sociographic surroundings and different municipalities that may not embrace this the same way. Mm-hmm. And what new challenges are we going to have to overcome? So every area was very specifically selected. Uh, we're going to open a minimum of three locations in each of those areas that I said in a regional area. That's just necessary for logistics. Trying to, man- back to what you were saying earlier, managing one hub, not not too bad. Managing two, okay, three, now you get enough of, 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 of folks in that particular area where you've got redundancy and you can do it. So three is the minimum. Uh, and I think the highest in any area we're building is 10. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, thinking about Trunup's experience here in uh, Bentonville, uh, what would you tell leaders of other uh, mobility companies or, or most in the industry about Bentonville and why they should be here and in some way have some sort of presence here and take advantage of what's happening here? Well, I'll let John talk about it from the technology side, but I'll tell you from the engagement and education side, uh, it, what's been so amazing, I, I, I can go on and on. I mean, everybody that we've talked to, whether it's the city councils, whether it's the, 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 the police departments, whether it's the fire departments, and whoever we go and we talk to, they've sat down. We've had very engaging conversations. I mean, and, and, and very much a how do we work together to help you with this? Uh, the same thing goes for the university. Same thing goes for the airports. It's just been I, I, we haven't had a single situation since we've been here where somebody has said, I'm, I'm very much opposed to what you're doing. And even in the situations where people have said, I'm not completely comfortable with what you're doing, the conversation has been, how can we work together so that I can become more comfortable with what you're doing? Uh, and, then, and then in terms of the innovation, not specifically re- related to the technology, is there's, there's this coopetition thing in this market that mm-hmm. is very, very, very underrated and, and and, and sometimes not mentioned often enough where, you know, we, we, people don't have these silos. We literally can reach out to the other people in the industry that are doing things similar to us and say, how can we work on autonomy together? How can we share airspace together? How can we, is there ways that we can leverage what we're doing in the air with what you're doing on the ground? And, and everybody comes together and not just them, 
then the other institutions around come and say, how can we support what you're trying to do? Because I can't, one of the things I'm just so impressed in the area is everybody here, innovation is a real thing here. It is, it is, it is, it is a, it is a undercurrent that is always around. Yeah. And I think from a technology perspective, it's kind of a little bit of all of what he just said. Um, but, you know, there's there's also this like groundswell of of innovation that happens just by virtue of the companies that are here and, and the kinds of work that they're doing. I mean, and there's lots of areas across the country that have like very specific kind of focuses where it's like, OK, you know, they're graduating a lot of robotics people in, in a specific area or they're graduating a lot of kind of you know software engineering folks. But there seems to be a really interesting mix of kind of all of that technology that, mm-hmm. that kind of comes here and the way in which innovation or uh, excuse me, aviation has become kind of at the forefront of like what's what's within this area. Um, and so it's it's really helpful to have that, that cross-section specifically in the areas that we're talking about and in that you can rely on kind of all of those areas to kind of cooperate and move forward. Yeah. Um, speaking of innovation, let's talk about the Up Summit for a moment. Drone Up took part in the Up Summit, uh, I guess going on a month, maybe a month and a half ago here in Bentonville. Uh, can you help our audience understand the importance of a conference like Up Summit to Drone Up as, as well as to Bentonville? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Up Summit's a really interesting conference, right? Like normally you have these events and it's more of a kind of dog and pony, right? You you go up, you show with your big booth and you talk about all the wonderful things you're doing. It's uh, it's not so much an innovation conference as a sales, right, conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Up Summit's very different. Um, it's it's uh, strategic key leaders from various different kind of high-tech aviation and technology organizations that are coming together and talking about like real problems and, and very candidly and openly and thinking through how do you solve those things? Um, I mean, yes, it's of course also a networking event, let's be clear. But, you know, the reality is, is like that kind of event doesn't really exist in a lot of other spheres. Um, and it gives a huge opportunity to not just the aviation groups and the, the technology groups, but like the, the participation. I mean, out of that last event, I think we um, we personally, we, we um, probably formed at least four or five kind of longer term strategic initiatives out of, out of those engagements, things that like we may have known about those companies or we had talked to them, but not at a level where we'd say, okay, look, how do we really cooperate? How do we, how do we build these things? Um, how do we move it forward? How do we move the industry forward? And so I think it's a, it's a very unique event. It's a very valuable event. I was super grateful that it was actually here in, in, uh, in Bentonville. Um, there's lots of other places that have hosted it or could host it, but I think the, all the things we talked about in terms of kind of the technology and how the how that cross section came to play, it was the perfect place for that event. Yeah. So the Up Summit, and of course another uh, summit coming up here in the next few months that you also take part in is the Northwest Arkansas Technology Summit, uh, which is run by the Greater Bentonville Area Chamber of Commerce. Might seem strange that a, a Chamber of Commerce runs a, a conference like that, but there's 1,400 plus attendees every year. This year we have a Smart Mobility Track. Uh, so that should be uh, uh, great as well. Uh, so in other big news, uh, just a few days ago, the University of Arkansas announced a planning grant from the Walton Family Foundation to um, really help them support their vision of making the University of Arkansas the preeminent university in smart mobility. Uh Targeted innovation areas include uh, next generation vehicles, uh, artificial intelligence for smart mobility, and of course, unmanned aerial mobility. Uh, and this is on top of, of course, a few months ago uh, in February, uh, Governor Hutchinson announcing the Future Mobility uh, Council, which is a first for any state uh, in the nation. Uh, so in my view, Arkansas and then 
Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas has really staked its claim in this space and in many ways has become the epicenter or ground zero uh, for transforming the way goods and people are are moved um, and the way services are delivered. Uh, how do you all see this? Well, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, and it's part of the reason we're so excited to be here. Uh, we did participate when, in, in Governor uh, Hutchinson's announcement of the Technology Council, and it was a great opportunity to to speak with him and, and understand his vision. And, uh, but the, I think the most important part of that is, is, is as we move forward as a society, we've got some challenges, right? We've got to focus on the environment. We've got to focus on de-stressing our, our infrastructure mm-hmm. and our roads. Uh, we've got to find ways to move goods and, and, and packages around in more efficient ways and methods. We've got to find ways to be able to get people to the emergency medical services that they need uh, faster and more efficiently than sitting in, in, in traffic somewhere. And, you know, so there's all of these things come together when you start talking about the future of mobility and advanced air mobility and urban air mobility and, and, and all of this. It, it, if you kind of take it as a pyramid, it, it goes down and it touches everything from electric vehicles to autonomy to, to, to we're talking about aerial innovation and, and then it's airspace management. And mm-hmm. then how once, now once we take everything off the road, as we talked about earlier, once we take out the road and put it up in the air, now everybody says, well, the challenge now is not just having everything run into each other. No, it's not just that. It's about how do we allow all of these activities to operate efficiently and then take high priority things like uh, air ambulances and be able to move them through the airspace quickly without threatening all the other things that are going on in the air. I mean, that all of that comes together. And so the fact that 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 Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas and University of Arkansas and, and the Walton Family Foundation, the fact that they're kind of looking at it from that lens of pyramid down is is spectacular because a lot of a lot of areas that we work in uh, they focus on one thing, you know, and mm-hmm. we're going to focus on autonomous vehicles. We're going to focus on ground or we're going to focus on air. Or we're going to focus on AAM. And I'm not saying all those things shouldn't be focused on, but what I am saying is this, that's going to create an, an incredibly powerful ecosystem by bringing all of that together. And that's, you know, goes back to the question you asked earlier, why is this a good place for us to be as we start building out this? It's, it's exactly one of the reasons we're excited to be here. Yeah, that's powerful stuff, building an ecosystem uh, for an industry that's being created, right? Where do y'all see drone up in the next three to five years? What are your plans? Um, you know, right now, what we're doing is we're uh, focused on building the 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 best uh, aerial services company that we can, um, uh, continuing uh, to improve our systems, our technologies, our relationships with the communities, maintaining a safety record, innovating at a rapid but um, appropriately uh, appropriately safe pace. Um, and, and, and that's what we're focused on right now and, and where that road leads us in the next three to five years, uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we get there. Yeah. If you were asking my product team that they would, they would tell you that I tell them they can't think past six months, right? Like we're, we, you know, three to five years, like I've been asked on many different, you know, advisory boards and panels, like, what is the industry going to look like in three to five years? And I was like, I don't know. What did you think it was going to look like three to five years ago? Because we're not there, right? Either we're not there because we've well exceeded that or we're not there because it didn't happen the way you thought it would. So three, three to five years, you know, we're, we're, I agree with Tom. We're, we're super focused on focus on the things that we can do well today, perfect where we're at. Yes, there's a vision for moving forward, but we have to be nimble and be able to adapt to whatever changes are coming our way. The other thing we got to remember is part of what we're doing right now is, is we're building our technologies and our, our, our policies and, and, and everything that we're doing around where we think the regulatory puck is going to be. 
Um, you know, where exactly is the FAA going to end up with beyond visual on a site rules? What, you know, how exactly is remote ID going to fit into the, all of this? And then you've got kind of the advanced air mobility and urban air mobility and all those things that are happening. So as we're building out our, our business and our technologies, in some ways, we're having to play a little bit of where do we think those things are going to go? And so the regulatory changes and, and, the, and, and policies that are going to be implemented both uh, within the FA and, 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 and at the congressional level, in some ways at the state and local level, because while they can't control the air, they can control what we do on the ground and where we, you know, so all of those things, um, that's why we have to be fast, but we have to be nimble, but we have to really kind of be prepared to, to react quickly to policy. That's really good. Uh, you know, uh, I've talked to a lot of young companies and I think your, your approach to, hey, let's look six months out and be the best we can be and, and help move where this industry is going is a, is a wonderful approach. It's, it's impossible to look three to five years in the future uh, at, at, at this stage. It, I think it really is. And I feel like you told me a hashtag Bentonville because Bentonville story earlier when you talked about the employees who moved here and thought they were going back to where they came from. But uh, um, will you tell me a story? Uh, tell me something that's happened on a visit to Bentonville where you thought, well, that's a hashtag because Bentonville moment. It could really only happen here. It's unique to this place. Uh, just a mo- uh, if you think about just a, a moment, for example, might be one of mine is the first time I saw a, a bike detour sign. I, in fact, I've never seen one anywhere else. And by, I don't have a hashtag for it, but my story was literally having employees coming here yeah. that were coming here to train to be regional leaders that we were going to ship back out. You know, you could almost say hashtag staying in Bentonville. I mean, whatever you want to call it. I mean, point is that that to me was my moment when kids, I came here and liked it because I like the pace. I like the air's clean. There's so many things I like about this place. But but for these younger people that we're bringing in, I don't think I quite anticipated that they were going to respond to the area as quite as much as they did. I mean, they genuinely like Northwest Arkansas. They just do. Sure, that might explain our very young uh, median age here. So the median age of Bentonville is uh, right at 32.8 years old. Wow. The U.S. median is 38.2 or 38.3. So um, substantially below it. Um, what should I have asked you that I did not ask? The one thing I'd like to address is that, you know, in addition to delivery, that's what we're known for, but we also provide other drone services. So mm-hmm. out of, because we have the hubs in these areas and we have talented drone operators in these areas, uh, we provide, uh, you know, industrial inspections, roof inspections, agricultural inspections, uh, you know, search and rescue services, public safety support. There's a whole list of drone related services that we provide from an aerial data collection that aren't directly related to our delivery services. And so you know, one of the things that 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 being able to operate out of the hubs uh, has given us that infrastructure is the ability to provide those services quickly and at a better price than we generally would be able to do it. And so we're excited to build that business here uh, in the Northwest Arkansas region as well. Fantastic. Um, two final questions. And uh, for the sake of time, if one of you want to take one or the other, uh, the other, that's fine, or you can both answer. But uh, and feel free to answer these personal or professional or a combination of the two. So the first question is, what's one of the most outrageous, challenging, or risky things that you've done in your life and how did it change you? Well, look, uh, entrepreneurship is no joke. (laughs) Amen. Um, 
And and anybody that uh, that thinks that starting a business or running a business or building a business is easy has either never done it or I need to meet them. <laughs> um, and I, I think, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of humility to kind of move that thing forward, but it also takes a lot of persistence um, and the ability to, to adapt to things. And I think, you know, it, it's, I don't know if it's one of the greatest challenges I've ever had in my life, but it's certainly one of the challenges that I think we, we wrestle with every single day about, you know, what's next and how do we move things forward? Um, and, and how do we measure the risk of that? Right. And how do we, how do we, how do we generate something that's, you know, either never been done before or, or has never been achieved before? So I think it's, it's a constant source of pride when you can, um, look back, you know, we talk about the six month thing. We, when you can look back and say, you know, maybe it feels like I didn't make the progress I thought I was going to make. And then you look back six months in the rear view and you're like, wow, I've, we've done way more than we thought we ever would have or could have, or maybe even should have. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I, I think that sense of accomplishment overcomes the, the fear, uncertainty of doubt of what's going to be next and, um, focusing on whatever you can do to kind of like be the best that you can be in the moment that you're in, um, has really been, you know, an, an enriching experience for everybody involved. And I think especially in emerging industries, it's another kind of drawing factor that brings people in and helps people feel like they're part of something that's more than just, you know, a, a day-to-day job. It's funny. I, I, it would be this business because, you know, I had a career in the military, um, built up a small stack of chips, went into business with my wife and we worked together for 20 years building a second business and built up a little bit a bigger stack of chips. And then at 50, turned around and took all those chips and put them on back on the table uh, to build a business in an industry that was really, really uh, nascent and, and, and undefined in terms of what the product was, what the future was going to be, what the regulations were going to be. And then I think even, even, even more significant in terms of what kept me up at night is dragging others along with me and like John and, and the other team and saying, okay, trust me on this, this is going to work out. And how do you know based on what? And you just kind of hope they don't keep asking questions and come along and but, you know, I think I'm, I'm, we're, we're proud of what we've done. I, I, I tell the team every day, I told them last night, we're not allowed to fly any mission accomplished flags. They're not even allowed to look at the flag catalog <laughs> yet. Um, we got a long way to go, but, but I think, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of what the team has done to date and look forward to what we're going to do in the next three to five years, even though I may not know exactly what that is yet. You bet. Well, having started some uh, companies myself, uh, you are making me both uh, relive some nightmares <laughs> and uh, relive some feeling of accomplishment, even for things that maybe didn't turn out uh, as well as, as I might have planned. It is so hard to start a company. And I'm going to talk straight to the audience on this one. If you want to start a company, uh, congratulations, you're probably going to fail. More than 80% <laughs> of you will. Uh, this is the starting point for the conversation. Um, it sounds kind of crazy to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit my well-paying job and use my money to start a business that more than likely is going to fail and other people just aren't going to get it. And maybe we'll come out okay on the other end, but it's well worth the... Uh, can, it's can, something worth and trying convince out yourself And convince yeah. others, yeah. <laughs> and dragging other people along. And that is, that is a tough one. That's one of the ones I found tough is dragging other folks along and and it just mentally for me thinking about is this thing going to make it <laughs> you know uh, you're you're dragging other people's lives into it and their families and so on okay last question what's the most important thing that you've learned this year uh i would say for me it's um keep humble 
Like I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say be humble. It's keep humble. Um, we, we, t- Tom, Tom was saying it earlier, you know, we, we've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. Um, and being able to be focused on like how, how people factor into that equation and, and making sure that, that, um, they understand the value that we're generating and not being, you know, um, boastful about it because, you know, whatever we achieved before doesn't mean we're going to achieve something mm-hmm. in the future. And so being very humble about like, how you approach that and thinking through the the steps that are going to carry you over the next kind of now, right? The next six months. Um, I, th- I think more than anything, especially with the growth that we've uh, experienced over the last year, it's very easy to get caught up in, you know, the big numbers that you see around kind of uh, growth and and people count, but it's also very humbling, right? And in, in terms of, you know, focusing on you got to you got to create value not just in the business and in the industry, but now you have to create value for these employees that are coming in, um, and and help them generate value and help them understand how they fit into that equation. I, I think that's the biggest, most fundamental kind of you know profoundly impacting thing that as we've kind of experienced our growth that I've kind of taken out of this year. Mine is is that uh, our people matter most. Um, we don't gloat. We don't beat our chest. We succeed or fail as a team and we don't fail. And, and, and that's kind of the motto that I wake up every day and try to remind myself and remind my team. That's a great motto. A great way to end this as well. Tom, John, uh, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, learned a lot from you and can't wait to see uh, where Drone Up is in three to five years uh, and, and well into the future uh, to our audience. Uh, hope you enjoyed this as much as me. Uh, If you did enjoy it, uh, please come back and uh, check out some more episodes of the Bentonville Beacon uh, to learn more about Bentonville and its leaders and its businesses in Northwest Arkansas, this place where you can get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And uh, check out BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com to see more episodes and to learn more. Plus, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.